Sections 57 to 67 of The Life of Antony. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Matthew James Gray. The Life of Antony by Athanasius, translated by H. Ellershaw. Wherefore a man, Fronto by name, who was an officer of the court and had a terrible disease, for he used to bite his own tongue and was in danger of injury to his eyes, having come to the mountain, asked Antony to pray for him. But Antony said to him, Depart, and you shall be healed. But when he was violent and remained within some days, Antony waited and said, If you stay here, you cannot be healed. Go, and having come into Egypt, you shall see the sign wrought in you. And he believed and went. And as soon as he set eyes on Egypt, his sufferings ceased, and the man became whole according to the word of Antony, which the Saviour had revealed to him in prayer. There was also a maiden from Busiris Tripolatana, who had a terrible and very hideous disorder. From the runnings of her eyes, nose, and ears, fell to the ground and immediately became worms. She was paralyzed also and squinted. Her parents, having heard of monks going to Antony, and believing on the Lord who healed the woman with the issue of blood, Matthew 9, verse 20, asked to be allowed, together with their daughter, to journey with them. And when they suffered them, the parents, together with the girl, remained outside the mountain with Paphnutius, the confessor and monk. But the monks went in to Antony. And when they only wished to tell about the damsel, he anticipated them and detailed both the sufferings of the child and how she journeyed with them. Then, when they asked that she should be admitted, Antony did not allow it, but said, Go, and if she be not dead, you will find her healed. For the accomplishment of this is not mine, that she should come to me, wretched man that I am, but her healing is the work of the Saviour, who in every place shows his pity to them that call upon him. Wherefore the Lord has inclined to her as she prayed, and his loving kindness has declared to me that he will heal the child where she now is. So the wonder took place, and going out, they found the parents rejoicing, and the girl whole. But when two brethren were coming to him, the water failed on the way, and one died, and the other was at the point of death, for he had no strength to go on, but lay upon the ground expecting to die. But Antony, sitting in the mountain, called two monks, who chanced to be there, and urged them, saying, Take a pitcher of water and run on the road towards Egypt. For of two men who were coming, one is already dead, and the other one will die, unless you hasten. For this has been revealed to me as I was praying. The monks therefore went, and found one lying dead, whom they buried, and the other they restored with water, and led him to the old man. For it was a day's journey. But if any one asks why he did not speak before the other died, the question ought not to be asked. For if the punishment of death was not Antony's but God's, who also judged the one and revealed the condition of the other. But the marvel here was only in the case of Antony, that he, sitting in the mountain, had his heart watchful, 
and had the Lord to show him things afar off. And this is so, for once again he was sitting on the mountain, and looking up saw in the air someone being borne upwards, and there was much joy among those who met him. Then wandering and deeming a company of that kind to be blessed, he prayed to learn what this might be. And immediately a voice came to him, This is the soul of Amun, the monk at Nitria. Now Amun had persevered in the discipline up to old age, and the distance from Nitria to the mountain where Antony was was thirteen days' journey. The companions of Antony, therefore, seeing the old man amazed, asked to learn, and heard that Amun was just dead. And he was well known, for he had stayed there very often, and many signs had been wrought by his means, and this is one of them. Once, when he had need to cross the river called Lycus, now it was the season of the flood, he asked his comrade Theodorus to remain at a distance, that they should not see one another naked as they swam the water. Then, when Theodorus was departed, he again felt ashamed even to see himself naked. While therefore he was pondering filled with shame, on a sudden he was borne over to the other side. Theodorus, therefore, himself being a good man, approached, and seeing Amun across first without a drop of water falling from him, inquired how he had got over. And when he saw that Amun was unwilling to tell him, he held him by the feet, and declared that he would not let him go before he had learned it from him. So Amun, seeing the determination of Theodorus, especially from what he had said, and having asked him to tell no man before his death, told him, that he had been carried and placed on the further side, and that he had not even set foot on the water, nor was that possible for man, but for the Lord alone and those whom he permits, as he did for the great apostle, Peter. Matthew 14, verse 28. Theodorus therefore told this after the death of Amun, and the monks to whom Antony spoke concerning Amun's death marked the day. And when the brethren came up from Nitria thirty days later, they inquired of them and learned that Amun had fallen asleep at that day and hour in which the old man had seen his soul borne upwards. And both these and the others marvelled at the purity of Antony's soul, how he had immediately learned that which was taking place at a distance a thirteen days' journey, and had seen the soul as it was taken up. And Archelaus too, the count, on a time having found him in the outer mountain, asked him merely to pray for Polycratia of Laodicea, an excellent and Christian maiden, for she suffered terribly in the stomach and side through over much discipline, and was altogether weakly of body. Antony prayed therefore, and the count noted the day in which the prayer was made, and having departed to Laodicea, he found the maiden whole and having inquired when and on what day she was relieved of her infirmity, he produced the paper on which he had written the time of the prayer, and having read it, he immediately showed the writing on the paper, and all wondered when they knew that the Lord had relieved her of pain at the time when Antony was praying and invoking the goodness of the Saviour on her behalf. And concerning those who came to him, he often foretold some days or sometimes a month beforehand what was the cause of their coming? For some came only for the sake of seeing him, others through sickness, and others suffering from evil spirits, and all thought the labour of the journey neither trouble nor loss. 
for each one returned aware that he had received benefit. But though saying such things and beholding such sights, he used to ask that no one should wonder at him for this, but should rather marvel at the Lord for having granted to us men to know him as far as our powers extended. Afterwards, on another occasion, having descended to the outer cells, he was asked to enter a vessel and pray with the monks, and he alone perceived an exceedingly unpleasant smell. But those on board said that the stench arose from the fish and salt meat in the ship. He replied, however, the smell was different from that. And while he was speaking, a youth with an evil spirit, who had come and hidden himself in the ship, cried out. But the demon, being rebuked in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, departed from him, and the man became whole. And all knew that the evil smell arose from the demon. And another, a person of rank, came to him, possessed by a demon. And the demon was so terrible that the man possessed did not know that he was coming to Antony. But he even ate the excreta from his body. So those who brought him besought Antony to pray for him. And Antony, pitying the young man, prayed and kept watch with him all the night. And about dawn, the young man suddenly attacked Antony and gave him a push. But when those who came with him were angry, Antony said, Be not angry with the young man, for it is not he, but the demon which is in him. And being rebuked and commanded to go into dry places, the demon became raging mad, and he has done this. Wherefore, give thanks to the Lord, for his attack on me thus is a sign of the departure of the evil spirit. When Antony had said this straight away, the young man had become whole, and having come at last to his right mind, knew where he was, and saluted the old man, and gave thanks to God. And many monks have related with the greatest agreement and unanimity that many other such like things were done by him. But still, these do not seem as marvellous as certain other things appear to be. For once, when about to eat, having risen up to pray about the ninth hour, he perceived that he was caught up in the spirit, and wonderful to tell, he stood and saw himself, as it were, from outside himself, and that he was led in the air by certain ones. Next, certain bitter and terrible beings stood in the air and wished to hinder him from passing through. But when his conductors opposed them, they demanded whether he was not accountable to them. And when they wished to sum up the account from his birth, Antony's conductors stopped them, saying, The Lord has wiped out the sins from his birth, but from the time he became a monk and devoted himself to God, it is permitted you to make a reckoning. Then, when they accused him and could not convict him, his way was free and unhindered. And immediately he saw himself, as it were, coming and standing by himself, and again he was Antony as before. Then, forgetful of eating, he remained the rest of the day and through the whole of the night groaning and praying. For he was astonished when he saw against what mighty opponents our wrestling is, and by what labours we have to pass through the air. And he remembered that this is what the Apostle said, According to the Prince of the Power of the Air. Ephesians 2, verse 2 For in it the enemy has power to fight and to attempt to hinder those who pass through. 
Wherefore, most earnestly, he exhorted, take up the whole armour of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Ephesians 6.13 That the enemy, having no evil thing to say against us, may be ashamed. Titus 2.8 And we who have learned this, let us be mindful of the apostle when he says, Whether in the body I know not, or whether out of the body I know not, God knows. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 2 But Paul was caught up into the third heaven, and having heard things unspeakable, he came down, while Antony saw that he had come to the air, and contended until he was free. And he had also this favour granted him, for, as he was sitting alone in the mountain, if ever he was in perplexity in his meditations, this was revealed to him by providence in prayer. And the happy man, as it is written, was taught of God. After this, when he once had a discussion with certain men who had come to him concerning the state of the soul and of what nature its place will be after his life, the following night one from above called him, saying, Antony, rise, go out and look. Having gone out, therefore, for he knew whom he ought to obey, looking up, he beheld one standing and reaching to the clouds, tall, hideous and fearful, and others ascending as though they were winged. And the figure stretched forth his hands, and some of those who were ascending were stayed by him, while others flew above, and having escaped heavenward, were borne aloft free from care. At such, therefore, the giant gnashed his teeth, but rejoiced over those who fell back. And immediately a voice came to Antony, Do you understand what you see? And his understanding was opened, and he understood that it was the passing of souls, and that the tall being who stood was the enemy who envies the faithful. And those whom he caught and stopped from passing through are accountable to him, while those whom he was unable to hold as they passed upwards had not been subservient to him. So, having seen this, and as it were being reminded, he struggled the more daily to advance towards those things which were before. And these visions he was unwilling to tell, but as he spent much time in prayer, and was amazed, when those who were with him pressed him with questions and forced him, he was compelled to speak, as a father who cannot withhold aught from his children. And he thought that, as his conscience was clear, the account would be beneficial for them, that they might learn that discipline bore good fruit, and that visions were oftentimes the solace of their labours. Added to this, he was tolerant in disposition and humble in spirit, for though he was such a man, he observed the rule of the church most rigidly, and was willing that all the clergy should be honoured above himself. For he was not ashamed to bow his head to bishops and presbyters, and if ever a deacon came to him for help, he discoursed with him on what was profitable, but gave place to him in prayer, not being ashamed to learn himself. For often he would ask questions, and desired to listen to those who were present. And if any one said anything that was useful, he confessed that he was profited. And besides, his countenance had a great and wonderful grace. This gift also he had from the Saviour. For if he were present in a great company of monks, and any one who did not know him previously wished to see him, immediately coming forward he passed by the rest and hurried to Antony, as though attracted by his appearance. 
Yet neither in height nor breadth was he conspicuous above others, but in the serenity of his manner and the purity of his soul. For as his soul was free from disturbances, his outward appearance was calm. So from the joy of his soul he possessed a cheerful countenance, and from his bodily movements could be perceived the condition of his soul, as it is written, When the heart is merry, the countenance is cheerful, but when it is sorrowful, it is cast down. Proverbs 15, verse 13. Thus Jacob recognized the counsel Laban had in his heart, and said to his wives, The countenance of your father is not as it was yesterday and the day before. Thus Samuel recognized David, for he had mirthful eyes and teeth white as milk. And thus Antony was recognized, for he was never disturbed, for his soul was at peace. He was never downcast, for his mind was joyous. End of sections 57 to 67